you will see actually that Asia that and, and Southeast Asian emerging economies are the third fastest growing economies in the world, with India being the second. So now is the time to come into Asia because EMEA and America business that they start being saturated quite a fair bit. So mm. the next center of growth really is is in Asia. You're listening to Digital Surfing. My name is Darren Smith. And joining me on this week's episode, we have Romka Wilkowiak. Romka is the sales director for Southeast Asia at HubSpot, an easy-to-use CRM to scale your businesses, as many of you know, that we work with. Uh, Romka has been in the sales industry for almost 15 years, with 10 of those spent in leadership positions. We cover podcasting, talent in APAC, and the future of CRM, and how you should consider it when operating or entering the APAC market. Welcome to the show, Romka. So good to have you on. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's a, such a good pleasure, a great pleasure to to be here with with you today, Darren. Right, so the, the, I, I'm not quite sure when the, when we're going to launch this podcast uh, episode, but for those of you uh, who are interested, it is a Friday afternoon for Romka. I think recording from Singapore today, Friday morning for me. But uh, so yes, first fact is you are in Singapore. Can you tell us a few other facts uh, and your your background? Definitely, no problem at all. It's my great pleasure to be here uh, today. Welcome, everyone. Uh, yes, I live in Singapore. However, I'm actually from Poland. I've been living in Singapore and looking after Asian markets in the tech industry for, the, for about 12 years right now. In tech industry for about 15 years and 10 of those I spent in, in leadership position, leader, le- leading different businesses all across sales, all across APAC. So I started with a BPO organization, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. in Dublin called Servisors, and I moved with them to Singapore. I subsequently moved to Red Hat, where I managed inside sales and mid-market teams. And then I spent the next four years of my career in LinkedIn, which was a fantastic learning mm-hmm. uh, journey and leadership journey as well. This is where I kind of moved more into managing enterprise and strategic business. I also created an SMB at mid-market team over there before moving on to HubSpot about two years ago. And uh, here I am heading the sales business for Southeast Asia. It's been a great ride so far. Incredible. Okay, so you've got some really great kind of APAC experience, very interesting background. So how about this for structure for today? Let's deep dive into APAC a little bit. I know that you've also uh, launched a podcast on that topic. So I want to talk about podcasting a little bit. And we go into a bit about leadership. You mentioned LinkedIn there and state of people around Asia, APAC, building teams and so on. And then focusing on the kind of CRM digital parts towards our end where we can unpack uh, things there. So that's a bit of an agenda for the listeners today. So I suppose teeing you up with that little section there on, on your podcast. You've recently launched a podcast and it's focused on APAC. Is that right? That's right. That's correct. The podcast is called Asia Growth Forecast, where we are talking to our guests about launching and developing a business, running a successful business, specifically in Asia. Podcast is is actually relatively relatively new thing, relatively new way of engaging with with your audience, with an audience of a brand. So um, that's the way we are, of course, looking at it as well. It's a it's a marketing tool for us to use to reach our customers as well as prospects 
It is a way for us to provide thought leadership to the market. And that, that piece is, is extremely important because it also goes with HubSpot culture and values. We definitely want to focus on a customer, not just existing customers, but also future customers. And the way, the best way to do it really is through delivering value. And what is, you know, a better way of delivering value than sharing information, sharing the mistakes that we've made, but also the successes that we've had. And that's why, that's why we are, we are doing it. That also is helping us to build trust with the market, build trust with the brand, deliver that value and potentially help us in accelerating that flywheel of success and that flywheel of really inbound, inbound motion that we cherish here at HubSpot. And tell me the content of the podcast, is it for APAC businesses growing and operating APAC? Or is it like what we see a huge amount ourselves, is it a ton of kind of Europe-based or US-based business, businesses wondering, how do I get into APAC? Both or uh, one focus on the other? That's a great question. I think it's both. I think Asia is, I genuinely believe that. And I strongly, I have a very strong opinion about it. You'll probably, you probably know by now. It's, <laughs> it's, it is a very important region. It is specifically, for example, if I'm, if I'm thinking about Southeast Asia, where we are having mm. India, we're having a lot of emerging economies. Then we have Singapore, who is a mature economy in, in Asia. We have Japan and uh, Australia, New Zealand, also very mature economies in Asia. You will see actually that Asia that and, and Southeast Asian emerging economies are the third fastest growing economies in the world, with India being the second. So now is the time to come into Asia because EMEA and America business that they start being saturated quite a fair bit. So mm. the next center of growth really is is in Asia. If we couple that with some other statistics like 60% of world's youth is based here. We are producing the biggest number of university graduates as well. So that means future decision makers. That means the future trailblazers mm. and entrepreneurs. So it's, I think it's very important to, to come to Asia for those companies who have been so far focusing primarily on EMEA and America when it comes to driving their business. But also mm. it is that our podcast is aimed at businesses that are in Asia, they Asia is their home and they want to become more successful because then also on the other hand, they want to reap that reward and success from Asian markets, but also become, become big enough uh, to grow into EMEA and America. So we're actually thinking about both. You said you've worked at LinkedIn, you're a senior leader within HubSpot and a, a huge amount of time for you must be spent looking for people. Mm -hmm. It absolutely is. And I strongly believe that building fantastic, high-performing, culturally diverse team starts with hiring. That's arguably, that's the most important piece of people management. Yeah. So do you have any kind of tips or hacks or there certain interview questions? Like, because some people are just Ooh. professional interviewees and, and, uh, and then yeah. they join and they, they're not, they don't live up to the interview potential. So like it is such yeah. an important part of a senior leader's job, but how do you get it right? Yeah. I think that's a very interesting question. Hmm. You're putting me on a spot here. I need to uncover <laughs> all my cards. And uh, Darren, I don't know if I can do that because I'm hiring at the moment. So uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. 
I'll definitely, I'll definitely tell you all my secrets. Uh, no problem. So I think the first, the first step here is is interviewing on the basis of behaviors and practical examples from a, a person's, a candidate's experience. So not necessarily focusing on theory and their pro- and their thought process, but actually on how they have tackled specific, perhaps failures or successes mm. that they've had in the past. How have they done specific things that are, or, or specific elements of, of a job that we are asking them to do? How have they developed on that competency? Of course, we need to first be clear as an organization, who is it that we are looking for? And that's not always easy to do. I find a lot of organizations are approaching recruitment in a too generalistic way. And that is resulting in very generalistic questions that they are asking to candidates. That's not a way to go. First, we need to clear, be clear on our side. What is it? Who is it that we're looking for? Mm. And then build behavioral questions around it mm. and ask how a person is approaching those those elements one of the favorite questions really that i am that i'm looking for that i'm asking is around failures and that's extremely important because it's it takes i'm looking for people with grit perhaps so maybe mm-hmm. that's the way i'm going to answer it a person with grit and growth mindset will always succeed no matter wor- what role we are going to throw them into and I think that's the second uh, piece of advice that I have that hiring for that potential, hiring for that high level of grit and and growth mindset, that is already 50% of the job done because that person is going to do whatever they can. They will they are self-intrinsically motivated to do really well, to do really well. And then if you couple that with with great culture in an organization, they will never want to leave and they will just keep growing into different roles keep promoting and developing further so it's really winning all around because then as an organization we have a great talent and they have a great career you make a really good point there in that like i i asked around what about those people that are brilliant at interviewing but you know so many companies don't realize that in the interview process you as a company are being interviewed as well um Absolutely. and uh, and and if you like put up this like facade of being amazing and have this amazing culture and then people join and then it's not like that, they will leave. You know, That's my right. one of my tips from an interviewing perspective, and I'm sure you've you've read the book, is my favorite sales book of all times is Mark Reberge's book. And he was the one of all he was the first salesperson at at HubSpot, now runs a venture capital company. But then those questions he asked in particular for sales hire. And that sales hiring process is absolutely incredible. I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think that's it evolved over the years, but we still have it. We still use some of those pieces of advice and we are very strictly focused on behavioral, on behavioral questions all the way through. There is a number of rounds that we have depending obviously on the role but it's all based on behaviors and it's all based as well on looking for that X factor in terms of the grit and growth mindset. So I'm interested in interviewing other people around the world. A common theme that I'm hearing is we try to hire, but there's not enough people. There's a skill shortage, there's a talent shortage, unemployment in the US is incredibly low. Businesses are suffering because they can't find people. 
Now, obviously, we have a evolution at play in that so many companies are realizing, hey, like, I don't need to hire in the place where our head office is in, say, Boston, Cambridge, as an example. I can hire anywhere in the world. Now, I suppose two, a double-sided question while we're talking about hiring and leadership is like, one is, are those kind of skill shortages prevalent in the in pack maybe there's specific re- regions they are and, and, and not so much in others and then is there certain regions that have been for a long time associated with kind of bpo type stuff like india philippines that type of thing are, is there still plenty of talent there or is that all being used up and there's mm-hmm. uh, really low unemployment and no one can find good people so two questions there related to the APAC talent market Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm really glad you're asking me this. I have plenty to tell you about this. That's another, the the, the headline here is that's another reason to look at Asia. Asia right now with the different future of work, hybrid working, remote working, starts becoming also much more interesting talent pool that perhaps was inaccessible so far, or perhaps to a certain extent, organizations were nervous to explore. And right now, with digital transformation being accelerated so much through COVID, where we needed to, we were forced to transform digitally so much. And the way we're doing business is completely different right now. Now it becomes possible for us to explore remote working without sacrificing Mm -hmm. on the productivity and quality of work delivered, as well as without sacrificing on language. And you're right, for example, in India, in the Philippines, in Malaysia, in Indonesia, we have plenty of VPO centers. These are completely untapped talent pools and talent markets that, that the world can fish from. And the quality of talent is absolutely there. And we know that because very often many actually Western companies, American companies who have their headquarters in Singapore or in Hong Kong or somewhere in Asia, they are using that talent pool. And that's the secret weapon, I would say. India, Philippines, Mm. like I mentioned, Malaysia, Indonesia, these are the top four countries that very often come up on that list of of fishing talent from that is also Mm. very well versed in English language. Okay, so the message there is there's still plenty of talent, incredibly smart, well-educated, and, and Asia-Pac is the kind of next frontier from a growth perspective. Yeah, absolutely. As you were just just summarizing, again, let's come back to that statistic that I mentioned right at the very beginning of our conversation. 60% of youth, of world's youth is here. And they are also mm. very well educated. They, they go through MBS, they go through university education. Really, there is a lot that we can work with here. And there are many transferable skills. All right, so let's go move on then to our last topic area, which is digital and CRM. We got to mention AI in that. I'm like being a kind of senior leader at HubSpot, I'm like, I can't not ask you, what is the future of CRM? Where are things going? Yeah, that's a great question. So look, again, coming back a little bit to that forced, almost, I want to say digital transformation we all had to go through between 2020 and 2022, we needed to start doing business differently, especially in those countries and economies where face-to-face business is preliminary way of doing business well. That had to change and it has. The journey through which customer is going right now, therefore also had to change. 
the experience, the customer experience is very different. And what has happened over the past few years through that accelerated digital transformation is that many companies started buying more and more different applications to help them achieve the best possible customer experience on the other side of that sales process that mm. they were running. It's just that it started really becoming difficult to maintain, very expensive to maintain without adding that much of a value on the other side. So again, customers not necessarily having a great experience because at the end of the day, this tech stack becomes cobbled. It becomes inefficient. Things don't talk to each other. So I think that is the first point that I want to make here that we start seeing that trend on the market where companies start taking out applications that do one single thing and they're on top of that if they are expensive that is definitely you know they just take them out from their tech stack in favor of taking decisions and buying crm solutions for example that do it all um, and at hubspot that's exactly what we do we have a 360 flywheel where we are looking after that customer journey from the initial point of contact through marketing, then through sales, post-sales, operations, etc. Um, so I think that's, that, that is changing a lot. I don't know if you know this, but there's also a very interesting number that I have to share here. On average, an SMB organization has roughly 300 apps running in their system, which is massive and it's extremely expensive. So that's just a food, of food for thought. It's completely, it's completely unnecessary as well. And the other element that we absolutely cannot ignore, and I think everybody will know by now how that journey towards implementing AI in their companies and in their strategy is important. And that's what we are observing here as well. Everybody is talking about AI. Everybody is using some kind of, some kind of uh, AI in their sales planning, for example, and in their sales, in their sales strategy. There's also a number of interesting numbers that we have that we that I have for you today. For example, we can we know that we did actually a HubSpot at HubSpot we did a research on AI trends and that research is is very interesting. It says that almost all because 99% of sales and marketing professionals who are using AI actually they say that it is extremely important for their day-to-day -day work. And what is that percentage really of people who are using? It's 78% of sales professionals in Singapore. That's the Singapore stat, but we also know that that stat is similar globally and in Australia as well, where 78% of sales professionals in Singapore who are using AI in their prospecting say that the response rate is higher, that they are using mm -hmm. it every single day because it is helping them to outreach better and to really respond to the buying process that the customer wants to run with that organization. I think that's still early days though. And what comes mm -hmm. with that praise around AI as well there, there is a little bit of a hesitation because there is a knowledge gap and the AI almost, I want to say sub industry of tech industry is going to run really fast in the way it's progressing and developing. So I think we are yet to see what is it, what is the final product if it ever, we are going to see the final product, but it's only going to get more efficient and productive more and more from now onwards. One of the things I want to call out there is is the stat that you quoted on um, the average small to medium sized business has three hundred apps installed and trying to run a business like that. And I think that's in, in my view, you can now use AI 
um, generative AI to develop apps. You can tell it, create me an app that does this or that. And I think that number could potentially get even higher, which is like so inefficient. This it, it, it results in so much other work coming at a later stage. So really interesting points that you made there. I want to also just ask you a question, and, and maybe the last question for today is around, you mentioned the use of CRM and, and why companies have adopted it and that type of thing. And going back to the topic of your podcast, either kind of international businesses entering APAC or APAC businesses maybe going into the US or into, in, into Europe, like what are the considerations when it comes to CRM? So like CRM doesn't have, does data have to be stored somewhere else? Do they need to consider different languages? Like, can they just go and pick any kind of local CRM? What are the limitations if you take a kind of local built CRM as opposed to something that's kind of really truly global like HubSpot? What are those considerations that are really CRM specific in the APAC market? I think that's a really that's a really good and deep question then there as well. There is there are a few. Of course data centers is one. And you're gonna have if you want to do a business in economy in a massive economy like China, then you're gonna have to think about data center just there dedicated to China. You're gonna have to think about data centers data centers dedicated specifically to APAC. That question always comes up from customers. And it is, I think it is important when thinking about an entry strategy into Asia, it is important to consider databases that are based here. The other consideration that you mentioned is language. And absolutely, I would agree. These are, this is the second most important consideration to be made because especially in emerging economies. So we are talking about Southeast Asia countries, really, where there is a lot of potential, a lot of untapped potential. That business is, is done mainly in local languages, but there is, however, a very well working partner and reseller and distributor ecosystem that can help mm -hmm. with that. So while yes, on the surface, this may look complex and too difficult, it actually doesn't have to be. If a company has a well thought through partner strategy with well with well designed programs and incentives. So I think yourself, your company is one mm -hmm. of those who is working really on a very high level with, with us, for example, and we appreciate your partnership there. And without, without businesses like yours, we definitely could not achieve the success that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. I think uh, we've got several companies that like US-based companies that uh, are operating across, across the APAC market and, and growing into them. And it's been, I think, I suppose I alluded to it earlier in my kind of question. It's been like absolutely critical that they are on a SaaS platform like HubSpot where different mm -hmm. countries can view the platform in different languages, in their local languages, that it is available real time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've got incredible support. All of these things are really important, especially when you're comparing, like when you go into g2.com and you look at the quantity of CRM systems out there, there's absolutely hundreds, but yep. so few that can scale with a business like, like HubSpot can. Absolutely. Yes. That's a, and, and that's a really good point. Thank you for mentioning that as well. You want to have a look at it, right? You want to have a look at what is the scale that you can achieve in your business and what is it that you want? Because look, at the end of the day, there are smaller companies that will be looking at more local CRMs and maybe that's okay and maybe that's enough for them at that time. But if you have ambitious goals to grow exponentially, then of course you're going to have to choose the type of CRM system that is going to allow you to do it. 
All right. So let's wrap up with parting advice or parting words from you for companies that want to operate in APAC. What is that like out of one little piece of advice that, that will get them started as they expand? I think be ruthless in your priorities and what you want to achieve from Asia and have a very well-defined point of entry. Don't go in and try to be everywhere all at once. That's probably not a good idea. It is a very, Asia is a very diverse and heterogeneous market. So I think it's important to think about it that way as well and be focused on perhaps just one point of entry first and then going from there. See, I thought that you were going to say that the piece of advice is that you have to listen to your podcast uh, and subscribe. Damn, you... what are you, lost opportunity, lost opportunity. Let me rewind that, let me rewind that. Um, no, no, I'll stick, I'll stick with that. <laughs> uh, well, Ronka, uh, thank you so much for being uh, with us today on Digital Surfing. I think uh, you've uh, shared some incredible advice and insights. I uh, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great pleasure to see you again, Darren. And thank you for listening, folks. <laughs>